0: This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. On today's program, we conclude our Step Closer series with a message entitled, When the Dream Comes True. Believe that God wants you to succeed. He wants you to dream. He has good things planned for you. We must learn to trust God in the struggle and believe that he has a plan for your life. Let's join Dr. Nate Roosh right now.
1: All right, we're gonna go right into today's question. And the question of the day is, how do I step closer when my dream comes true? How do I step closer when my dream comes true. We've been talking about David, and David is getting this promise when he's a little boy, and there's an anointing moment, and then he goes through a lot of different struggles, but he eventually becomes the king. And many times when you're worshiping God, trusting in God, perhaps when you come to church, there's this struggle and there's a dream that's out there. But let me tell you this, God wants you to get into the dream, for the dream to come true. He wants you to win. Turn to the person next to you and say, he wants you to win. I think we can miss out on the fact that God actually has good things planned for us, plans for us. He's designed for a life and he cheers for us. He wants us to win. So it's not like God infinitely is moving the finish line further and further out. He actually wants there to be series of victories and wins in your journey. Ecclesiastes talk about there's a time and a season for everything. Sometimes we lose. Sometimes we go through loss. Sometimes we go through pain and struggle. But there also is a time to win. There's a time to have victory in your life. and It's okay to have victory, friends. It's okay to have that, and I believe that just like Chicago Cub fans who waited 108 years for their team to win a championship, they found it. We we win. You might have to wait a while, but your win is on the way. The victory, the dream will come true. So when it does come true, how do you step closer now that that prayer is answered? How do you step closer when you're on the mountaintop, when you graduated? Come on, somebody. When you got the dream job, when you overcame addiction, and when you started a business and it began to turn a profit. How about raising your kids and they have now successfully launched as adults? What about those that are in retirement? How do you still step closer when you've reached that thing you've been working for for your whole life? Some of us, we've survived the biggest challenges of our life, we've lost a loved one, or we overcame cancer, we've fought back from bankruptcy. Now we're at the moment, where we're at the top, if you will. The dream has come true. We must learn to trust God in the struggle and enthrone him in success. So it isn't just about struggle, trust, I need God, but when you're at the top, This is the moment that there's a flip, and that flip of the script, if you will, is to give God praise for the success. And we can learn from David's life how to step closer in every season. We've been looking at the Old Testament character, David, and how he stepped closer in every season of his life. When he faced giants, dodging spears, when his dream was gone. Last week we looked at how when you're in the middle of a mess. He still stepped closer to God. And eventually, he now becomes the king. And he faced challenges at the top. And we will face challenges when our dream comes true as well. So you got the promotion. You got the spouse. You got the house. You got the money. You got the, you're at a point of your life where you wanted to be. You're finally popular in the eighth grade. <laughs> the girl said yes to a date. Whatever it is, you're that moment. I'm not just talking about big career goals, but I'm talking about your life. You got those moments. What is the danger lurking around the corner? Well, pride is one of them, right? I mean, what does Proverbs say? Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. There's a kind of a tipping point moment, if you will, where pride can sneak in and it can, it can destroy those things that you got your answer to prayer for the dream coming true. Everything, everyone can think of pride, but what about pride when it happens to you? What kind of pride do we get challenged with? I did this, I made it, I'm better than everyone else. You go to a family reunion and you're comparing yourself to your family. I got the house now. My kids graduated with better grades than your kids. And pride can work its way in. But the thing about pride is pride pushes people away from us and ultimately pushes God away from us. For God resists the proud. Pride can make you vulnerable to slipping and falling. And this is why Paul told the church, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Be careful. Watch out. The other thing that comes in that we have to be aware of is complacency, and complacency can slip in. We can get so focused on this goal that we disciplined ourselves for that we can begin to slip. Now, I've said before that I don't know what the problem is of people saying it's hard to lose weight. I've done it hundreds of times, right? But anybody that's ever done a diet knows that when you go on a diet, that you have to say no to some things. No to carbs, no to sugars, no to fried foods, no to, you know, everything it seems like, right? (laughs) But you finally get to the point where it's paid off. You hit your dream weight. The pants are fitting better. (laughs) And you're getting compliments from people, right? What do you do now? Well, all the disciplines that you got, had to use to get to this point, the tendency is to get complacent and go, what do we do? Let's start eating all those things again, right? And all of a sudden, we retreat into what we were before. Complacency is right around the corner. Now that you're there, you've reached it, you can lose your sense of purpose. Even though you can finally do what you want. An undisciplined life can take you right back to where you were before. So how did David do it? I want to give you five, David's five steps closer when his dream came true. I'm going to look at the totality of his life, different segments of his story. And there are things that he did when he reached his dream or his goal that allowed him to still step closer to God and remain connected to him. The first step is this, the step of celebration. She hit the spot where it's so cool, celebration is a big deal. David had now become a king, secured Jerusalem in battle, led the ark back into town, and look what he does. I'm not saying that we're going to celebrate the same way he does, but look what David does, 2 Samuel 6. After the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, David sacrificed the bull and the fattened calf, and David danced before the Lord, with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. This is an amazing moment, because in this moment, David not only secured a party for himself, but also for himself with the people and with God. And I want you to know that both fasting, how many heard of fasting, where you give up something. And feasting, it's the party, right? Both are biblical. And in the rhythm of scripture, in the rhythm of the kingdom of God, there are repeated rhythms of the Bible where there's lots of partying. In Revelation, the ultimate story is the marriage supper of the Lamb that we all can sit at someday. And when it comes to the party, celebration, Helps us breathe, and it helps us appreciate what just happened. There were biblical feasts in the Scripture, like uh, the feast of the Passover, the Tabernacles, the harvest celebrations that they had, and God instituted it into the rhythm of people because they needed to celebrate when something had been accomplished. They needed, in a sense, say to God, "Be the glory." But here's the challenge with it. Many times, we don't know how to party. David, in our text, he was dancing. Some of you need to get your inner dance out of you. Excuse me, Pastor Nate, this is Minnesota. We are calm. I'm like, yeah, that's how, how, how calm are you? when the Vikings have a miracle touchdown and you're in your living room, were you like, that's really nice? (laughs) Well, there's an inner celebrator in you that needs to be let out. The challenge is the world around us doesn't know how to have boundaries within celebration. So anything goes, however you wanna do it, When it comes to celebration, some of us that have come out of addictions or a previous lifestyle where uh, things harmed us, we made poor decisions when we were drunk or whatever it may have been, to celebrate is a danger zone. But you don't have to stop celebrating altogether. I think the church needs to learn how to party. I think we should learn how to show the world how to party. In the New Testament, this sense of the fruit of the Spirit that's so strong that we don't need to get drunk in order to have joy. What we can do is learn to have joy in the Holy Spirit and celebrate all that God has done for us. Come on, somebody. And celebrate the win. And I'm not just talking about spiritual things that we would only talk about in church. I'm saying, you got the promotion, celebrate it. Somebody in your family or group of friends had something good happen, why not throw a party? You're like, oh, I don't have any money. You can throw a party with ramen noodles, baby. You can pull it together out of anything. Come on, somebody. Start playing that music through your phone. Let's do this, right? It's okay to have fun. And by the way, it gives God great pleasure to see his children enjoy. When we pause, the thing that David learned to do in the middle of that is he learned not only to have fun, fun with each other, but he learned to turn the glory back to God. This is something really important. When you have good things happen in your life, pause and say to God, be the glory. There's something cool about the rhythm of life. When we learn to do that, we can learn to appreciate the joy and we can handle it when things don't work out the way we want. For it's not just in the high points that we keep that heart and that attitude, but it's like Job said, when he lost everything in Job chapter 1, he said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Some versions say, blessed be the name of the Lord. See, when you can live a life that gives God glory in the struggle, you also have to be one that gives him glory in the victory it keeps pride out and complacency away it's something powerful in our story the second thing that david did is he lived with purpose in the dream he stepped closer to god by living with purpose in that dream come true i was watching lebron And they're in this 10-game winning streak, and LeBron and everybody, this is a toast of the NBA. And they throw the mic in after the game at him and go, LeBron, how is things? You know, you're amazing, and kind of touting how amazing they are. And he pauses and he says, we're just trying to develop championship habits. So though he was in a victory, his ultimate goal was a championship. And so what he was saying is, I want to develop the type of habits that not only help me win now or for 10 days in a row, but I want to win and keep winning. How many of you want to keep winning in your life? Then you and I have to learn to have championship habits, sustainable practices that keep you when you are at the top, things that keep you there. One of the greatest things that David teaches us Is his practice of worship in any and every circumstance. He worshiped God in every circumstance. Worship is one way to keep us with championship habits. When you have a worship habit in your life, when you consistently go back, And continue to worship. That's why Sundays are important, but that's also why your own personal, private, devotional time and worship with God is important. It's what keeps you from drifting away from your championship habits. Okay, So uh, John chapter 4, Jesus, woman at the well, we talked about it in prayer service this week. The cool thing about this moment, this woman at the well who had been with a number of husbands and really was not in a good place, was going to the well at, at a time of day when no one else would go. She was ostracized by her own community. She notices Jesus. Jesus walks up to her and they have this discussion. And one of the questions that she asked him is, where should I go to worship? In other words, where do I do that? Do I do that at the Spring Lake Park campus or the Emmanuel, or do I go to Elk River, or do I go to Maple Grove, Okay. And God, Jesus says to her, he says, no, the day is coming then those who worship me must worship in spirit and in truth. Spirit being something that's a part of the entire body. It's the eternal part of who we are, also connected to the Spirit of God, which is eternal, and the Spirit is the one who is active on the earth. We need to worship authentically with the living God. It's not just an external, some kind of uh, religious liturgy that we do that has nothing to do with anything, but no, worship in spirit is actually connecting with God. You can connect with God anywhere on the planet. You can worship God at work, You can worship God at school, you can worship God on the road, you can worship, although it's kind of hard to do two things at once when you're really mad at the person in front of you who's driving slow like I am sometimes, and I'm trying to worship. You can't do two things at once, so you need to stop getting mad at the person in front of you, learn patience like Jody says God's teaching me, and learn to worship instead. Come on, somebody, right? All right. And if we learn learn to worship in spirit, then it's anywhere and everywhere. But then it says in truth. And truth is to be accurate, to be transparent, if you will, but accurate about where you are. Truth does not mean you're perfect. Truth is more living in the perfection of God in our brokenness. And so when we can learn to trust God and worship him on a daily basis, a weekly basis when we gather together— then what we do is worship becomes something where we adore God because God is not like us. He's not an equal. When we worship, we lower ourselves like we would before royalty. We bow before the royalty. And when we begin to worship, what this does is we acknowledge God, we worship him, but it also keeps pride out of our hearts. I didn't get me here. I, I'm, this isn't all on me, and by the way, some of the worst forms of pride are the types where when we got to the top, we're always worried because we're worried about losing it, like it's all on our shoulders. You know, it doesn't have to be all on your shoulders. Some of you feel the pressure of your family, you feel the pressure of your business, you feel like, if I don't do this, it's going to fall apart. Well, yes, you have personal responsibility, but when you begin to worship, you realize, no, I do everything under the power of a greater power than me. I do everything under the Lord Almighty, the creator of heavens and earth. And you begin to reset yourselves. That's a championship <laughs> habit. Worship keeps you in alignment with where you need to be with the Lord, okay? And it helps you live with purpose. In your dream, because you also know the things that you oversee, the people that you're responsible for, the future that you have, that's God's. You're just a steward of his gifts. The scripture says that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father up above. So what you're doing is you are stewarding what God gives you. You're steward. Genesis chapter 1 original mandate for humanity so God created human beings in his own image in the image of God he created them male and female he created them then God blessed them and said be fruitful and multiply fill the earth and govern it reign over the fish of the sea the birds in the sky and the animals that scurry along the ground in other words he's saying I'm putting you in charge of all this stuff And a steward is someone who manages or administers the property or affairs of someone else. So this thing about championship habits and living with purpose and where you are, one of the, it's worship, but it's also recognizing I'm worshiping and every day of my life, I'm stewarding what he has given me. And to be a good steward, one who is responsible, means that I need to learn to partner what I'm doing with God. This is why God instituted the tithe as a principle to people. It wasn't so that we could raise money for churches. It was to keep human beings tied to the one who owned it all anyways. So when we learn to take a step, and by the way, this should not be, feel like shame. If some of you are not tithing currently, I don't want you to feel shame at all. All I want you to sense is the purpose of it. Tithing helps you stay connected to the one who owns it all anyways. This is the thing that keeps you in a championship habit, if you will. And if you've yet to tithe and maybe you're not given anything, start with 1% or 2%. Start with something so that you can begin to say, God, I want to give you access to everything. Amen? That's what it does. A steward takes care of everything. And if you practice it when you're... Whatever level you're at, when you're in middle school or high school or young adult stage or single, you're married or you have children, or you got a business, you're in leadership, you're involved with things. Whatever level of life that you're in, what having more of whatever you have only makes you more of what you already are. So it's something for us that we have to learn to do is to keep that principle in play so that it's not just one victory. It's a series of victories throughout Our life. David lived with purpose. When he reached his dream, he was ready to do something with it. So this is the third thing. The third thing that David did consistently is he looked for what God wanted to do next. He he learned to look for what God wanted to do next. See, with God, it's not about just victory and staying there the rest of your life and being stuck There's always something coming next. And God had birthed the dream inside of David from the time that he was young. And it was about the presence of God and about a temple, and he began to dream of a physical place in a city of Jerusalem, what we called a temple or a house of prayer, where people from every nation could come and worship God. This was something God had birthed like, like a seed planted in the ground, like a, a baby being born and is pregnant inside a mother's womb. God had birthed a dream for something to come beyond his victory of becoming a king. It was much bigger than being a king. It was about something down the road. In 1 Chronicles 17, it says, when David was settled in his palace, he summoned Nathan the prophet. Look, David said, I am living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of the Lord's covenant is out there under a tent. And Nathan replied to David, do whatever you have in mind, for God is with you. This is what I want you to catch God will always birth something next before you have accomplished this victory. Something is still coming. It's not just about getting to the 11th grade. It's about 12th grade and graduation. It's not just about getting married. It's also about accomplishing God's purposes. Potentially, you might get married. And maybe, I have kids. And maybe you're not going to get married, but God has something now that you've got this job. He wants to introduce you to another group of friends because it's about something broader than just this particular victory. Your dream isn't just about you. There's something beyond this dream that's for others. Can I get an amen? Something can build. And may I encourage you, That right now, you can begin to say, Lord, what are you birthing in me? What is that thing that you're putting in my soul for the future? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. You can't have faith, you can't have a walk of faith without something out there for hope. So while you're accomplishing your dreams, you got what you wanted, there still has to be hope for something beyond the dream, something down the road, something that is next. And I'm not saying it is produced quickly, but this is something that God will develop over time, and you can become an incubator for the future and allow God to birth something in you. For David, the dream wasn't about him. It was about a place for God's temple. Personal purpose is eternal when it's connected to God's purposes. Personal purpose is eternal when it's connected to God's purposes. What is phase two for you? What is that new challenge that is ahead? What is God birthing inside you? The fourth thing that David did is honor people. Remember who got you here remember who got you here. We are at such a breakneck speed as a culture that we don't stop and say thank you and appreciate the people around us enough. And we need to Honor. You know what? We're in a dishonored culture. We're critical. We tear down everybody else. But what if in your victory, in your moment, wherever you are, you stopped and you said, thanks, mom, thanks, dad, thanks to the teacher, thanks to the coworker, thanks to the friends, thanks to the people in your life, thanks to your kids, thanks for being on the journey with me. You know what that does? It drives pride far from you, and it enables you, because what happens is... If you don't thank them, you reduce the size of the crowd that will help you on your next journey. You and I need to learn how to step closer and honor the people. Remember who got you here. David did it this way. In 2 Samuel 9, after David had become the king and Saul and his son Jonathan, who was David's best friend, had died... There was only one family member left, and David searched him out, this guy named Mephibosheth. 2 Samuel 9, verse 7. Don't be afraid, David told him. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table.
0: Thanks for listening to Emmanuel today. You can learn more about Emmanuel and enjoy other messages by checking out emmanuelcc.org. Emmanuel's Sunday services can be seen live every week at 9 and 11 a.m. at emmanuelcc.org.